0: Good evening, church. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Colin, the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ. This is Dan Spade. He's one of our elders. And here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. If you'd like to learn more about what that means, I want to encourage you to head over to our website at www.churchvictoria.com. This is our Wednesday evening conversation through the law and the prophets where we open up the Old Testament, we move through the narrative and the text, and we see how it impacts us today as the church and how, it, how that text connects to Jesus. Um, if you're listening listening to this on the Heart and Head's podcast. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed to the channel and you have the bell turned on so you get notified every time we upload a video. And if you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like and share. That really helps us out. And make sure to comment down below. Um, if this ministry has blessed you or you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, I want, want to encourage you to head over to that website. At the top of the page, we have a donate button that uh, take, will take you to PayPal, and you can partner with us as we seek to teach and preach the gospel. Uh, we're going to pray and get into the lesson. Again, church, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Let's pray, all right? Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to study this evening. We pray your blessings upon our study. We pray your blessings upon those who will listen whenever, whenever they get a chance to listen. And I pray, Father, that, that what they hear will be uh, something they can apply to their lives and it make their lives better. We, we, we pray, Father, for transformation in our lives as we strive to follow you and to serve you. And we thank you for the opportunities that come our way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Okay. All right. So we're in uh, Numbers, still in the book of Numbers. And uh, I think we're going to pick it up in Numbers chapter four. And I just want to remind everybody what, what's going on here. So, yeah, you know, we've, as we've said before, you know your bible reading plan is great up until about midway through exodus and then you start encountering a lot of regulation
1: brain meltdown
0: yeah brain meltdown and if you survive the regulation in exodus you don't have anything to worry about because leviticus is
1: just more of the same i, I had a guy a friend of mine <laughs> named mike that that said something that he said dan he said man I, he said i can't understand that thing i you know, i said your problem is you're starting in the wrong place well, and, and, but I, I mean, told him the same thing that yeah, you, you know, we're going you, to brain melt You
0: start in Genesis, and it's a story, and yeah. it's a story that we can all kind of kind of wrap our minds around. But then you get into midway through Exodus, and it's like, what's all this? Yeah, this is, <laughs> this is, what am I reading the Texas Administrative Code here? Like, what's is, what is going on? And then you get in Leviticus, and it's a lot more of the same, except it's now very graphic, and now we're taking the fatty lobe of the kidney and waving it around and splashing <laughs> blood up against an altar, and it it's kind of bizarre. Yeah, it's kind it's really strange for modern readers. Yeah, so. You get into numbers and you think you get out of Leviticus, you get into numbers, you've totally lost the narrative, and then you've got eleven more chapters of the same thing. Yeah. And it's it's God organizing this camp. But you're like, what and I think
1: that's important, Cole, that we need to understand. They're still at the mountain. Yeah. It's yeah. been a couple of years or a year. They've been in this about a year. And getting the law and getting and getting set up because they, they're fixing to go on a journey. God knows they're gonna be on a journey for almost forty years. That's right. He he's going to try to he's got to control this group this mob yeah. you know through these regulations and and it's not going to be easy.
0: And it's it's a really good idea to think of the first 5 books of the of the bible like a mountain, okay? Mm-hmm. You start in Genesis down here and you're going up the mountain and you hit Exodus here and then you hit Leviticus. Leviticus is the pinnacle. Mm-hmm. And Leviticus chapter 16 is is the is hinge a, is point. the beginning.
1: Yeah, is, I mean it's the it's the middle.
0: It's it's literally going up the mountain and entering into the presence of God. And then once you've entered the presence of God, now we're talking about obligation, expectation. What is what is the obligation and expectation of the people who have now entered the presence mm-hmm. of God? And the answer to that is obedience. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they come out of that mountain, and then we're coming down to numbers, and then we'll come down to Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really the best way to look and, at what's going on. And then, then on that in the numbers Bible. to
1: Deuteronomy is 40 years.
0: That's true. Well, yes and no. So what we will and we'll get more into what Deuteronomy yeah. is mm-hmm. it, you're right and, and yet because what ends up happening is time is not important in this well, narrative
1: but but you're talking about simple folks who are reading the book right. and, so and you, we it's need confusing it is confusing the first five books or a span of about 40 50 years. Uh well, a couple 100, couple 400 years, 500. Well, no, years. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about the, but in this journey, mm-hmm. this journey process from when you get them out of in in Exodus and you get them out of Egypt and you now you're going to get them to the to the Jordan yes. River yes. the second time, that's about 40 years. So from the time they
0: leave Egypt in Exodus, to the time of Joshua one, mm-hmm. about forty years have passed, and so, num- yes. so
1: from Numbers eleven mm-hmm. to the end of Deuteronomy,
0: mm-hmm. well, it's about thirty nine years. So what's what's going to happen in Numbers, and we'll we'll look at it. What's going to happen in Numbers is what what we discover is time. The way we think of things in the West, which is time is very is very important, uh, is not important to the writers of Numbers. No. And they're going to kind of jump around. And what's going to end up happening is the people are going to rebel and and we'll just sell the we'll just sell the story. But this is what what ends up happening in Numbers. The people are going to rebel around Numbers chapter 14. God's going to say, well, you're going to wander until this entire generation is dead. And then we're going to keep reading in a couple of chapters, We're going to read about some more rebellion. It's going to be like, what is going on? Everybody's rebelling. This is weird. It's going to end with Moses' rebellion. And then all of a sudden, the people are getting ready to go into the promised land. I think what it
1: teaches is is people are always going to be obstinate and disobedient. And God's going to always be faithful and full of grace and mercy.
0: 100%. And I
1: think that's what it's going to teach us.
0: Before we know it the the thirty eight years that they're wandering in the wilderness after they leave Mount Sinai mm-hmm. is going to be over yeah and in fact there's not even going to be reference to it it's no, it's God's no. going to be like it's going to be for your, your entire generation is going to die and
1: then rebe-
0: rebellion 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 we fight, know we know it's forty life.
1: years but it doesn't yeah. really it doesn't really access it, it
0: doesn't if you're just reading the text if you're just reading through it's very easy to miss and that's and that's my whole point here that's why i'm saying you know the hebrew writers when they wrote this they didn't really care about the way we think of things in the 21st century they weren't worried about the chronology of it all i mean it's very important for us in stories we want to know beginning middle end that's why the gospels are so so difficult for some people because you have differences in luke versus matthew versus mark there are these little differences and people are for a lot of people it creates a faith issue yeah. But that's because we're not reading it from a first
1: century Jewish perspective. I told Mike the other day, I said, I said, you're going to read four different accounts, four accounts, same stuff from four different guys. And I said, and when you get to Luke, Luke is going to really be a letter that he writes to his friend Theophilus. Right. It's really what it is. And it's, and, and it's not going to be the only one he's going to write the book of Acts. He's going to write that one to him too. That's right. And it's all to, to show Theophilus that, that what he's been taught is credible. Right. That it's real. Yeah. And, and he said, I'll do all the, I'll do all the eyewitness stuff. I'll do all this, the investigative stuff. That's right. But, you know, here we have Moses writing down and saying, here, I've done all the investigative stuff. I've done all the, I've, I've gotten all the clarification and I'm gonna write it down for you.
0: And, and that's really, you know, you you pointed out understanding why Luke wrote what he wrote, mm-hmm. and that's really key to to getting in the into the Old Testament once you're past Genesis, because Genesis and and the beginning of Exodus are really stories, and and it's easy for us to kind of jump into, mm-hmm. um, but when we read, it's really critical when we read, mm-hmm. we try to bring out that ancient Hebrew, that ancient Israelite, who's who's really receiving this information for the first time, and we've really got to take off our twenty first century reader hat. And we've really got to put on our ancient israelite hat because there are things let's and let's look at it we're going to look at some of it right now the lord said to moses this is numbers 4 verse 1 the lord said to moses and aaron take a census of the Kohathite koathite branch of the levites by their clans and families count all the men from 30 to 50 years of age who come to serve in the work at the tent of the meeting attend of meeting and now this is the work of the Koahites, heights so we're still taking a census and why are we doing these well the levites weren't counted in that first census right so now we're going to take a different census of the levites but the whole census language as we've already seen in previous in previous chapters isn't about numbers per se that's oftentimes how we want to look at it but how would the ancient israelites look at it well what they would look at it is its communication of blessing right? What happens in the garden of Eden? You are to be fruitful and multiply. Mm -hmm. What has happened to Israel in the presence of God in the, in a new garden at Mount Sinai, Mm -hmm. right? In the return of the garden. Well, things, people are fruitful and they've multiplied and Israel has been blessed. Remember what God communicated to Abraham in the promises. He says, you know, I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. Well, this is, this is hyperbole to some extent, right? But the what's what are we seeing here in numbers we're seeing numerous descendants i mean goodness gracious they were slaves not too long ago now all of a sudden they're this huge nation Mm -hmm. right and so hyper literalists people who want to look at the bible and say oh it's 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 there is no metaphor in it right there is no well that's this is a real number okay maybe maybe it is a real number But what's it trying to communicate? Whether it's a real number or not, what is God saying? And what God is communicating here is great blessing. All of these tribes have been blessed. And it's the same here for the Kohathites and the Levites. You're going to be blessed. Not only are you going to be blessed, we're going to see through the census, but look, this is the work of the Kohathites at the tent of meeting the care of the most holy things when the camp is to move Aaron and his sons are to go in they're to take down the shielding curtain and put it over the ark of the covenant law then they're to cover the curtain with a durable leather it's so it's very important to god how these things work mm-hmm. right and especially here we're talking this is the most holy of holies this is the place where god sits and dwells in the midst of his people, in the midst of Israel. So this is incredibly important work. How Aaron and his sons enter in to take this stuff down matters to God, because well, it matters to God who enters into His presence and how they enter into His presence. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Keep talking. I got something to look up.
0: Sure. So verse seven: Over the table of the presence, they are to spread a blue cloth and put it on the plates, dishes, and bowls. So if mm-hmm. you re- you remember this, the tent of meeting the tabernacle is this big compound of a tent. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of it is another tent, right? So there's a tent wall that marks the boundaries of the compounds. You've got the altar, you've got a bath, and then you've got this long tent where that was divided into two rooms. So you had the outer room and the inner room. The inner room was where the Ark of the Covenant sat. It's where Aaron's staff budded. You know, Mm -hmm. it's where all these things are are going to occur. Mm And then you had that outer room and that outer room is where the bread was laid, where you had the lamp stand, where you had all these things. And God sat over the Ark of the Covenant in that innermost room. And who went in to that innermost room was controlled by God. It was a very important thing if you walked into that room because that's where God dwelled. It was his throne room. So all of these are instructions about how they deal with this. If you look at verse 11, over the gold altar, they are to spread a blue cloth and cover that with durable leather yeah. and put poles in place. So it's, god's saying this is how you are to break down and uh how you are to break down this tent this tabernacle for traveling because that's going to matter we're going somewhere so this is how you are to do that so again what we what is being communicated to us on a regular basis is you've re-entered the presence of god that was leviticus chapter 16. now what's the expectation for the people to obey to do exactly what God says.
1: What I was looking for was that in the book of Hebrews, that, that God tells Moses, said, "You make sure you do exactly what I tell you." Mm-hmm. You and I, I couldn't find it right right off, but you know, to make sure that you do exactly what I tell you, because what you're doing is you're building a shadow. That's right. You're you're building a facsimile. Yeah. Of what the real thing is. Hold God on, was, Dan.
0: Huh? These are simple folk, and now you're using words like facsimile. What's going on here?
1: That's my word. Okay, well, tell them what it means. Then. <laughs> it's a copy. Yeah, you're building a copy. Is what you're doing. You know, it, and that's what a fax machine does. Gives you a copy. You know, it's it's he's given us. He's give. He said you're gonna build a copy because what I'm looking at is a real deal. You're gonna build a copy for them. And so when Solomon builds a temple, yeah. he's just he's just building what they had as a tent because this is just a tent.
0: Well, and what's interesting is when Solomon does build that temple, God is very communicative on exactly what he wants in this yep. thing. Because you're absolutely right. It is a it is a shadow, it is a copy of what's going on in heaven. And they're over and over and over again every year.
1: I can't wait to see it.
0: It's it it's it's going to be interesting. It's but interesting? By, I mean it's it's well
1: and so I I, I wanna believe that that I'm gonna have a recollection of you know, that of things that I've read Maybe I won't, but I just just humor me. Then I'm going to have a recollection of what I what I've read, and it's going to all I'm going to look at it and say, "Oh my God, this is way better than what I read, mm-hmm. way better." Because the the grandeur of it, you know, to be an Israelite and to see this thing, and to see the work that's going on it, they're going to they're building things out of out of uh, out of skins and stuff, and they're building this massive curtain. You know, and I and I, somebody wrote me the other day and said I never saw this, and it was in I forget where it was, and it said these this curtain was three different colors, it was three different colors. I never saw that before, and and I'm going going wow, this is amazing, man. And to watch that unfold and to see, you know, we talk about a clan of people that are going to have to move it, and then then in chapter eleven they're gonna, I mean, I think it's chap, chapter what chapter sixteen chapter 16, they're going to get all snooty and beside themselves. God's going to have to whip them back into shape, you know, because, because they're going to get full of themselves. That's right. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I'd give anything to be able to take down that curtain or to be able to cover that stuff, knowing what I know now. Of course I don't, I didn't, they don't know what I know. No. They don't know Jesus and they don't know that, that this is the, is the, the bringing about of the messiah that's what this is
0: well and that's and that's the the that's what's going to repeat you talk we talked about shadow and a copy and that's what's going to repeat get played out every year for Thousands of years for the Israelites, they're going to have this Day of Atonement, mm-hmm. where the high priest enters in with the blood of bulls and goats, and he sprinkles it on the altar. He mm-hmm. he's got the he's got the um, the incense. He's waving, mm-hmm. you know, he's waving this incense to hide himself before God, and he's sprinkling this blood on the altar, and then he goes out and he releases the scapegoat, and the scapegoat is taken out. It's, you know, this is Day of Atonement, Leviticus sixteen. I, it's going to I be think, done year after year after year, and it communicates. Christ. I think that
1: anybody that's that's watching this or starts watching, I think while they watch this. They ought to be reading the book of Hebrews. Well,
0: kind especially while going through. No, just, I would say our Leviticus when we went through Leviticus. Yeah. yeah,
1: start reading the book of Hebrews. Go back and watch the ones that were that, that we did on Leviticus. That'd be a good And idea. then read the book of Hebrews as you read.
0: It's it. It. it's really hard to to grab onto what the Hebrew writer is saying unless if you don't you know, understand. If you don't understand it, if yeah. you don't understand sacrificial systems, if you yeah. don't understand Leviticus. It's Hebrew, right the Hebrew writer. I mean, you can grab onto some of it, certainly. Yeah. But a lot of what he's talking about there is, yeah. is missed. Yeah. Um, I know for me, what was an eye-opening experience for me was when I was reading Leviticus 16 in the Day of Atonement. And it says he's he makes all these sacrifices. And then still, after making all these sacrifices, he was still only allowed to enter in the presence of God one time.
1: Yeah.
0: And then on top of that, he had to hide behind the, behind the, the, incense, the incense. The smoke of the incense. I was, it was blew, blew me away because it's like wow and think about what we're told in Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 4 at the end of chapter 4 there it says we have confidence by the blood well, of Jesus and I, and to I,
1: boldly enter I never knew that God. until you taught me that that the incense was to hide them yeah because I remember going to church back in when I was part of and and watching the guy do the incense and I I thought it was it was cleansing it was the, it was they used it to hide them because God was still you know and I'm going
0: what? yeah the theology is really messed up so it some, really is some up. some traditions some some Christian traditions that profess Christ I'm um, not going to name any names here but some some Christian traditions what they've done is they've gone back into the Old Testament to pull things out and say see we still have to do these today and there's, there's lots of traditions that do that and they do it with various things with what you're talking about with the more Orthodox traditions they do things like that they have They, they, they call their stages, holy ground. Mm -hmm. They put, uh, the, the bread and the wine, the, the elements of the communion in a box, they call a tabernacle, Mm -hmm. you know, and they've, they've resurrected this kind of like Levitical priesthood sense. And think of how ridiculous it is when you've been washed in the blood of Jesus to then go back to the Day of Atonement and rip something out of the high priest's hands, the Levitical high priest. We're supposed to be in the high priesthood of Jesus under Mm -hmm. Jesus. Mm -hmm. They go back to the high priesthood of Aaron, rip out one of his things that he had to do because Jesus hadn't died yet. And now they're running around saying stuff is holy ground and hiding themselves before God when Jesus says in Hebrews chapter four, we have. The wherewithal, because of his blood, to boldly enter into the presence of God. Yeah. The curtain has been torn right from what is it from to top to bottom. I always forget. that people get angry. We got in at trouble. Me. We got in trouble. I got in trouble for that. No, we yeah. got
1: in trouble we, I
0: didn't, didn't correct. I didn't correct you. Oh well, I'm sorry. I got you in trouble. Anyway, the, the point is, it was torn from top so, to bottom, yeah, and Which, so
1: and it's massive. This thing's 60 foot tall. And so
0: we're t- we're talking in the book of Matthew. Jesus dies. That curtain is torn, mm-hmm. and so Jesus offered his blood so we can enter in. Yeah. And here we have these yep. supposed priests going back and hiding before God. I mean, it's just foolishness. You know, it's it's a complete and total lack of understanding of what mm-hmm. Jesus mm-hmm. and his blood accomplished. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And so, and you so, know, and, fa- and, go ahead. Go go, ahead. As, he, as he gives these guys all of this work to do, you know, now you've got a, a background of what, why this was important. It's important to God. You know, when God gives us stuff to do. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know when he gives us stuff to do, and he does give us stuff to do. I mean, every one of us got talents. You know, we've got we've got two guys sitting in the other room over there, and they both have have their unique talents that they're that they're gifted with. It would be a crime and a sin for them not to use the talents that God's been gifted them to do. Mm. And here, these guys are going to complain and bellyache because they're not getting their their do whatever. So not here, but later. And later, later. they're going to gripe and complain. And and then we're gonna see how important it is what they do because later on we're gonna get to a guy named Uzzah who's gonna lose his life. Much later. Much later. But he's gonna lose his life because David doesn't do, doesn't know enough to do this. And and these guys don't do what they're supposed to do. And this guy's gonna touch this ark and get and it's gonna kill him. It is. You know, so never look at your at your circumstance and say, This is mundane. This is ordinary. Nobody knows and nobody cares, and I Absolutely. and I feel I feel uh, uh, inferior to other people. Go, look at uh,
0: Lee. Pull up First Corinthians chapter seven. It seems like a strange strange place to go, but I want to go here because you know what you just talked about. You know this mundane, this thing. You know, we've been talking about spiritual gifts on Wednesday night. We've been Mm -hmm. been talking about them and and what we're looking at. It's really crazy. You know, uh, you have a lot of people who say, you know, the spiritual gifts have ended. You have Mm -hmm. other people who say they haven't. And and I think part of our misunderstanding with spiritual gifts is we don't really understand what these things are. We want to say, well, you know, it's like I'm reading a book right now. And the author, uh, the author wants to talk about the gift of prophecy as only foretelling, as only future prediction. Mm -hmm. And it's not. All all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, the gift of prophecy is not solely foretelling. In fact, the gift of prophecy more often is forth telling thus saith the Lord right yeah. the Lord says this. saying
1: what God has already said right so yeah. we
0: see Moses doing a lot of prophesying he was the great prophet what, what is going on the Lord says to Moses go say this go yeah. say this to Pharaoh he's not go saying say something about heaven in the future he's no. saying about
1: this what what God's just told him.
0: right and some of it now some of it does include future prediction but the vast majority of what God is telling Moses is just especially now in numbers it's just organizing the camp yeah it's not future prediction of anything it's yeah. just tell them to do this and them to do this so it's really a lot of prophecies forth telling. And so this author has a misunderstanding of what, what the gift Mm -hmm. of prophecy really is about. Um, and so here's, here's this other place that when we were studying this, that I came across, it's really interesting. Now here, here in, in chapter seven, in first Corinthians, he's talking about the marital relationship between husbands and wives, Mm -hmm. but look at what he calls it. He says in verse seven, I wish that all of you were as I am. So what he's talking about, there is I've been gifted by the Lord to remain single. Mm -hmm. to not burn up with passion I can I can (laughs) devote myself Mm -hmm. exclusively to God and this is what he says I wish all of you were as I am but look at what he says but each of you has your own gift from God he's talking about the relationship of husbands and wives Mm
1: -hmm. yeah
0: you know you just what you just said you know we've got talents and we've got these things that God has blessed us with I don't think it would be outlandish based on what Paul I think the way Paul looks at all of these things Our roles as husbands and wives, our roles as as virgins or single people, our roles in in these various places. I think not only our role
1: as an art carrier or a curtain hanger
0: or 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 a cup washer. James says... All good things are from our Father of heavenly lights in whom there is no shifting shadow, right? Mm-hmm. He says this in the book of James. I think Paul really looks at that. I think we get really fixated on, on spiritual gifts and giftedness mm-hmm. and, oh, what am I in the body And I don't think that's what it's about. I, I really think it's about what has God done for
1: to the church for the service I, of the church. I think it's not that important to God either because God is the one that told us don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Yeah. You know, he's saying, and what he's saying is, is, you know, I've given you a gift. You use it like I told you, and it don't matter who knows. There you go. And, you know, we just had some ladies come up here Wednesday night, Wednesday afternoon, and cook Eleven meals, meals. Eleven meals. Eleven uh, No, they cooked
0: 40. no, no, no. no. They cooked 11. I talked to her. I was late this morning. I was late because I was on the phone with somebody. 11 meals. All right. This is why we're buying more pots. We we discovered we didn't have enough pots to cook that many meals. Okay. So we did 11 meals and we're going to be doing more. We're going to be shooting for 40 every month.
1: Yeah. So they're having, and I don't even know who it was and I don't care. It doesn't matter. I don't care who it was. I know who's getting benefited from it because I've already dealt with some of them. Yeah. That have found out that they're going to get a meal. And they're excited about it. I've seen some of the meals and I, I'd like to have my name on one of them. And that's the entire purpose.
0: Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter what the gift or the role or the office or, or whatever, however you want to look at these spiritual gifts or, or even here. Mm-hmm. What ma- doesn't matter, is, what matters is, are you using these gifts for the service of others? And are think, you using these offices for the service I of others? I
1: think why we're harping on this is because you know in a few chapters down the road, after they get rolling, these same guys. Some of these same guys are going to rebel yeah and and they're going to rebel because tell them why they're going to rebel what they're they're not satisfied with their job i mean it's 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 not it's not flashy enough we're going to see in the book of numbers
0: god's going to say okay let's go that's numbers chapter 11 let's go and let's see what happens and he's going to put his world to the test like he put them to the test before they got to sinai Right? remember i said it was a mountain mm-hmm. these are mirror images of each other yep. in exodus they were tested and failed we got into the presence of god god expects obedience he cleans us up he fixes us up despite us not needing it or despite us not deserving it and then we're coming out of the presence of god and what's his expectation succeed obey do what i say and what are they going to do in numbers they're going to fail yep. and they're going to totally fail the people are going to rebel the levites who serve in the temple are going to rebel and then finally moses and aaron are and gonna miriam they're all going to rebel. they're all going to fail too so it's it's a complete and total you wonder and utter how come collapse. God didn't just start over. That's what's amazing and that's what's so much <laughs> why did fun you start about over? numbers. Because right and right at the darkest moment when everybody has failed, God delivers his people. Yeah Yeah. What? I heard I heard a I heard a guy who he's a he's a rabbinic Jew, Orthodox Rabbinic Jew, and he said the book of Exodus is why he doesn't believe in unconditional love. He doesn't believe in god's unconditional love that's what he said he said i don't believe in god's unconditional love because the expectation is to obey and i wanted to sit there and and reach through the camera and smack him and, and go what are you talking about you say that but then what happens in exodus your people made a golden calf and they worshiped to it and they all fell and what did god do he redeemed them. In the book of Numbers, again, what did God's people do? Rebel. Uncondi- and what did he do? Unconditional love. Now, I understand what he's ta- trying to say. I get it. I understand. Look, God is going to hold you accountable. Mm-hmm. He's he, the, the, God's unconditional love, idea of
1: unconditional love. His idea of unconditional love is no matter what I do, God's going to love me. Right. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to say
0: God's and that's not true. No, God is going but that's to, his idea of unconditional God love. is going to give you what you want. Mm-hmm. If you don't want God, God has done everything necessary for you to come back. This is God's unconditional love. He has done everything necessary for you to come back to him, mm-hmm. for us as a people to come back to him. Yep. He's done everything yep. necessary, but he leaves it to you. And if you don't want him, he isn't going to force you. Mm-hmm. He's going to give you exactly what you want. If you really want life without God, can give it to you. Unfortunately, if you're not paying attention, there is no such thing of life without God. It's yeah. just that simple.
1: Well I think when you get to chapter five, you know, and, and you deal with these that not uh, you know this is it's it's the same stuff uh, absolutely know, time, time. But then you go to chapter five and the very first part of it, he said, the Lord said to Moses, command the Israelites to send away from camp anyone who is defiling skin disease for a discharge of any kind or who is ceremonially unclean because of a dead body. Send away male and female alike and send them outside the camp so they will not defile their camp while, while I dwell among them. The Israelites did as they sent did so. They sent them outside the camp. They did just the Lord had instructed Moses. You know, and I think this is, you know, why it's so important for us to... God dwelling with us to strive with everything we have, to be, to be as holy as we can be. Mm-hmm. We're not going to get it. I understand that God makes provision in the New Testament. He said we have to walk in the light as He is in the light. Have fellowship with other people, walk in the light, and He'll cleanse us of all of our sins. I understand that. He, and He says, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar, and the truth's not in you. I understand that. But I think you know some religions out there make it seem like it's okay. I can do whatever I want, right? Once I come to God, God's gonna save me. He has to save me no matter what. And that's just not true. Well, and there's some people out there who would who believe in universalism,
0: this idea that that God is going to save everyone regardless of what they want. And that's not true either. That's not true either. God is God is a just loving God. He's gonna give you exactly what you want. Mm-hmm. And you've got your entire life, however many years he gives you, to make that decision. And we know some people are well, the vast majority of people aren't going to choose
1: him. And I that's unfortunate. If, if we're watching this, if you're watching this, you understand, okay, this is a lot of symbolic stuff and we're trying to connect it to today. Mm-hmm. Well, if you take this, the purity of the camp and you say, okay, he wants everybody that's got an, an issue, a skin issue, a discharge a you know, a pus pocket or what, whatever, you know, leopard, whatever it is. Right. Send them outside the camp while I'm in the camp. So
0: why? and and i think we have to understand that first these were all things that were representative of death yes and death is not god's kingdom death is the enemy's kingdom. yeah and so what god is saying is there is no room for death in my camp mm-hmm. what's interesting is when jesus comes now technically anybody who touches these people are also unclean now unclean is not the same as sin no and we do no. and a lot no, of times it's people not. equate it's that. Not. it's not the same as sin no these these things are representations physical representations of what the Israelites would have concepted as as spiritual warfare Mm -hmm. and so when you have somebody who's who's overcome with the kingdom of the enemy the kingdom of death and it's it's showing in their skin they are removed from the camp because this is this is God's kingdom here right so they're removed from the camp but when Jesus comes when God's kingdom fully comes when the actual kingdom remember this is a shadow when the actual kingdom comes what happens Jesus takes these people and he touches them. Yeah. And does Jesus doesn't get unclean. No. The kingdom of God triumphs over the kingdom of the enemy. It's spiritual warfare. That's what's really going on. And it's an amazing picture yeah. of how God is raiding. And, it, and, he,
1: and he tells us in the book of Ephesians that our battle is not against flesh and blood. That's right. It's against the spiritual force of evil in the heavenly realms. Yeah, that's what he said. You know, we're 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 fighting a war against the spiritual forces of darkness. Yes. And, and Jesus has already won. The problem is, is we don't act like it sometimes. Well, we don't
0: want to think about it that way. Remember, we we totally miss the gospel. And this is, this is something I study with people whenever we're coming into Christ. What is the gospel? And we want to say it's the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It is not. That isn't the gospel. That is evidence for the gospel. Mm-hmm. Jesus came preaching the gospel ever before he died, ever before he rose. And what was the gospel? The kingdom of God is near. Mm-hmm. And how did we know? Because we see it in Christ. He says, "If I cast out and demons the evidence by the, of
1: that kingdom coming is Jesus living, dying, bleeding, dying, and resurrecting out of the tomb.
0: It's confirmation
1: that the kingdom of God. And has it's where come. it's where we take our stand. Is what is it, exactly. what First Corinthians fifteen says. Is what what saves us. What t- we take because we don't have salvation. The kingdom can come if He don't do that. Then we have no. that we have no, no hope no, of salvation. No right? hope of salvation. So. All of it encompasses, for me, the gospel. It's all the good news. And
0: where are Christians seated? According to Ephesians chapter two. According to Ephesians chapter two, we're seated on the throne next to Mm -hmm. uh, next to
1: Christ over all of these spiritual powers. That's what it says in numerous places, that we reign with him. You brought it up again uh, last Wednesday, I think, that we reign with him. People don't want to understand. we, We are reigning with him as we speak. That's right. You may not feel like you're sitting on a throne. You may feel like you're sitting, that you're sitting face down. I mean, you're laying face down in a, in a mud hole. You may some, feel that way. Yeah, you know, that may ha- be how you feel because that's where maybe God puts you there. But for, what is would, the reality? What is the spiritual reality? The reality, reality? is, is if, I, if, if I stay faithful to God, if I stay faithful to him, and I walk with him, and I carry my cross every day. And you love his people. And I love his people. Because, but if I'm doing that, Cole, love is going to be the essence of who I am. The only
0: thing that matters, Galatians chapter five, I think, verse six, seven, somewhere it, in there. The only thing that matters is how, faith how expressing it itself
1: through love. Look at that. We sat around here and chattered for thirty minutes. You know, it it will it will uh, it will manifest itself in how I treat others, how I that's act, right. how I live. You know, and 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 my humility. Realize it. Look at that. Go to Galatians chapter five. I want I want you to see
0: it. Lee, pull it up because that's exactly what you're saying. What you're saying is Galatians chapter five um so go go look let's look at it. i want i want them to see it
1: one verse six chapter five verse six for in christ jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value the only thing that counts is faith and expressing itself through love there you go that's what you're saying yep so got that's what jesus did faith expressing except believing in the father and expressing it through love and the love he had for his people as he touched them, who were who were infirmed. Uh, the lady crawled through a crowd and touched his garment because she had an issue of blood that would have been that would have put her outside the camp. That issue of blood, and for twelve years she's sick and she reaches up because she believes that if I just touch his garment, and she's healed as soon. And Jesus knew it. So. And how important is it, then, knowing that God's
0: kingdom has come? Knowing that he has defeated these spiritual forces of darkness, how important is it for just us to do what he says? Oh, it's extremely important. It starts in we the shadow. It be
1: what we should want to do. You can't stop me. Can't stop me. Let's pray, guys. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this study. Thank you for the for the gift of grace and mercy. Thank you, Father, for showing us through these people uh, how you how you handled them mm-hmm. and how much you love us you know, all of these things you did father was to bring your son and by bringing your son all of us have access to you and we can't say there's no more curtain there's no more there's no more shadow there's no more place that we have to navigate through now we can we can come directly to you and know that you hear us and thank you for putting your spirit in us to live thank you father for loving us that much and it's in the name of your son we pray amen amen